everyone was in the room. Like, you know, Debbie Allen, because she was directing, was there. And Be- Benny Medina, everybody. I mean, it was no pressure. And when you go, you do, you show up at the auditions and there were all these other girls there. When you go to the network, when we came to that part, it was just you and one other girl. <laughs> and you're waiting and you're looking, o- I'm just looking over at her like, oh, she's so pretty. Oh, I, I should have wore something like that. I shouldn't have worn that. What am I wearing? I can't believe I wore this. Why did I wear it? You know, and so I was kind of flipping out, flipping out, flipping out. That is Hillary, a.k.a. Karen Parsons, by her government name, giving us the behind-the-scenes story of how she auditioned for The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You're going to enjoy this episode. It's not what you think. Are you all about the NBA action? You've got to try Pick 6, the newest fantasy app from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Getting started is simple. Just download the DraftKings Pick 6 app and sign up with code TBE. Pick at least two players and choose if they'll have more or less of a stat. Like, will they score more or less than 30 points or have more or less than eight assists? Lock them in and compete against others for a shot at huge cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Pick 6 app now and get started with code TBE. New customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Only on DraftKings Pick 6 with code TBE. The crown is yours. One offer per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit to receive a match of up to $100 in Pick 6 credits. Non-withdrawable and valid for Pick 6 use only. Expire after 180 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio discover more shows and movies for free The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Greatest in sports and entertainment, connecting with them. every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion, they girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment, connecting with them. 
everybody. Welcome to a new edition of Naked. Uh, this is Carrie, and I'm beginning by letting you know that I'm angry, black, and activated. I, moments ago, just wrapped up an interview with Karen Parsons. You all know her, Hillary, on the original Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, not the Peacock version. And by the way, I love the Peacock version, but the original Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Hillary was Will's cousin. <laughs> Will Smith, that's our guy. That's the only name he gets. Um, and she... Uh, was bougie and unapologetic and all of the fancy things that I love today. Like all the things that I embody today that I do not hide from. I'm like, this is me. Thank goodness. And so she is all of those things. But I think it, it, her her second chapter where she has now, she has a company. It's called Sweet Blackberry. And it is a, a company that is dedicated to uh, telling the unsung hero stories of African-Americans, stories of black folks that you just don't know about things that you won't know about in the regular school system. That is what she's giving us in animated form. That's how it started. And now there are books. This is where things go left for me or the tangent that I make or the, the where I run. I um, was just talking to a friend of mine. Uh, she's an MSNBC anchor. Her name is Joy Reid, Joy Ann Reid, to be more clear. And Joy posted about a, a mother who is now running for office, but a mother initially who posted about how her children were learning the wrong facts about African-Americans and how she wanted to change that and how she was so upset and she went to the school board, which leads me to where we are today with what's happening in Florida, how they are actively, loudly and proudly trying to erase our history. By our, I mean Black history, African-American history, um, banning books uh, such as Books from the great Toni Morrison, uh, books from Zora Neale Hurston, books from books from Bell Hooks, things that a 1619 project. I'm just so frustrated by the idea of it. There are so many wonderful gems, if not an entire education in these books. And they are actively trying to make sure that our history is erased from the culture, that our contributions to this society that we live in today, this United States of America that we also built, they want those contributions, contributions erased. And so there are those who are loud and proud and they are activists and they're fighting on the front lines to make sure that stops. But there's another form of activism, believe it or not. You don't have to uh, protest every single day. You don't have to yell. You don't have to post on your social media. I believe Karen Parsons is doing a great job. And while that wasn't her intention when she first started, I do believe she's doing a great job with her Sweet Blackberry series. And I don't even think she considers herself an actress, right? Hillary? from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, an activist. But what I told her when I'm telling you loud and proud is that she is an activist in so many ways. Um, reluctant or not, she is. We need these stories told. We need our stories of our Black inventors, of our Black uh, teachers, of our Black educators, of our Black engineers. Everyone who contributed to this society today to help fight for the freedoms that we have, these stories should be told and they won't be told in schools. They have to be told by us. And so I hope that you enjoy um, Karen Parsons. More importantly, I hope that you uh, support her and buy her books. And again, while she is not out to be an activist, she's really sharing stories that I believe is important. We're honoring Black History Month every single day. Every single day of the year, not just in February, but it is apropos to have her on. Sit back, relax, enjoy this edition of Naked. 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. All applause. Dwayne inserts applause. Loud applause. Loud applause. Carrie Parsons to Naked. Um, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate you. Uh, a fan as an actress, but more so a fan of the life after. Um, and so can we begin with just childhood and you being a creative, an artist? You grew up where? And tell me about the family dynamic that created the essence of who we see today. Oh, wow. Mm, okay. So I grew up. All right. Sit down. Okay. No, I, uh, I grew up in Santa Monica, California, beach baby. Um, and uh, gosh, you know, I was one of those kids who I think it's, I was like six years old when I insisted I was going to be an actress. I was just like, I'm going to be an actor. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. Or actress. I'm, I mean, was a kid. I was always actress. I'm going to be an actress. I'm going to be an actress. And I, I was just really bitten by it. I think I had got a little book, small plays for you and a friend. And I used to do the little, it was like a the little books for, I got it from like the, the, the book fair thing van. And I would just do these both parts for my mom. It was like you, just you and a friend and like props you could find around the house. And I would just do all these plays and I was just insisting this is what I wanted to do. And I would have to see everything that any child actor was in, like anything Jodie Foster was in, I had to see it, you know? And so this went on for years and eventually I got to working, you know, I was really acting. I mean, I had went to classes and workshops and volunteered um, a, a local theater to like, you know, did a, a playbill and, you know, to help with sets and things like that, anything to be involved. And then I ended up acting. And so that was always who I was and what I did. And that was my identity. And that's what everyone else told me I did. And, and so when the change happened later, and I started doing something different, it was a, it was a, a little awkward shift for me. When you're six years old, I believe that's when people find their passion. I believe, like, when I was seven, I could identify what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Really? And I believe that it happens around that age. I feel like your personality is formed. I think you kind of are who you are, whether your parents try to influence you or not. There are little things that happen that you see and yeah, yeah. digest, and it helps you be who you are. Um, being an actress, to me, seems very difficult. And I'm always curious how at six or young people who know at a young mm -hmm. age, are you enamored with that life? Like, I, how I, do you, I want these books and then I want to do this. And then I got to see everything Jodie Foster is in. <laughs> I think what was exciting for me, what clicked for me was um, we're all of the different, we're, we're being different people. I loved story, but I love character. I That's loved cool. the differences, how different this person was and what motivated them to do the things that they did and why this person acted the way that they did. And, and just in, I loved make-believe, you know, and playing like with my friends. I think I was the one who probably was more gung-ho than anybody else to, you know, whether it was with dolls or playing, you know, different games, pretending we were different places. I really got into it and excited by it. And then as I got older and I got into, um, you know, workshops and was reading Stanislavski and Uta Hagen and things like that. And I was, you know, I was started going out and observing people and writing notes about people and their behaviors. These are the things that always turned me on, I think, from a more elementary level as a kid. But then as I got older, it was a similar things about character and people and 
and even, I mean, I wasn't identifying it as nuance as a kid, but it was nuance and, you know, compl- complication and complicated characters. That was all the stuff that was very interesting to me and fun to inhabit and to be somebody else. I mean, you know, I went and played Hillary. I think I was, I got to be somebody very different from myself. Yeah, you know, like speaking of, so yeah. take me through that audition process. So oh. what I think it looks like is what I see on the TV. I think it's um, you sit in a room, uh, unless you're like getting a special callback. And even if you are, you look like everyone around you or you see everyone who's familiar to you because you guys uh-huh. have been on the same calls. Right. You go in. Are you nervous? Are you excited? I love the audition stories for the big show. So uh, for Ooh. those of you listening, this is Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Hillary, the cousin who was very well to do. I love the character. How do you prep for that? And then you go in and you read for that with who? With Will? With the mother? Who'd you read? I didn't read with any of them. I, re- I mean, I started for me. I hadn't done much of anything. So I went to the, I had to first go in and see the casting director's assistant. Wow. Yeah. So I started there and they just put me on tape. You know, they record, they read with me. They recorded me. They gave it to the casting director who went through all the different tapes and said, these are the people we'll bring back. And then I had to go see her and read with, you know, ready with the assistant again before the casting director. And then I think, I I mean, I just had to keep reading for like um, the writers, then um, Quincy Jones. I remember I had to go over and they said, you're going to read for Quincy Jones, which I was, I I was over the moon. I was so excited and he was a great audience. Um, and then, you know, it was like that. I had to keep going in for, you know, for then the the producers and then the, the studio and then the network. And when you went, when you went in for the network, everyone was in the room. Like, you know, Debbie Allen, because she was directing, was there. No and pressure. Be- Benny Medina, everybody. I mean, it was... No pressure. No pressure. And when you go, you do, you show up at the auditions and there were all these other girls there. When you go to the network, when we came to that part, it was just you and one other girl, <laughs> and you're waiting, and you're looking, over, I'm just looking over at her like, oh, she's, uh-huh. so, she's so pretty. Oh, <laughs> I sh- oh look, what she- I should have wore that. I should have worn, I, I should have worn something like that. I shouldn't have worn that. What am I wearing? I can't believe I wore this. Why did I wear it? You know, you're just going through everything of, and, and the other actress actually had, had seen her in things before. So I, and she was, you know, she's beautiful. And, and so I was kind of flipping out. And then there were also, there were like two moms, two Carlton. <laughs> they were like, you know, everybody was just like having to look at each other and hang out with each other. That's so rude. Why do they do that? That's they, so rude. Well, yeah, I'll tell you though, when I first started acting, um, and going out to auditions, yeah. um, I bumped into Holly Robinson at one of my auditions and Holly and I had gone to high school together. She's the sweetest soul ever. Holly took me under. She was so excited to see me out there at auditions, took me under her, her wing and took me around and introduced me to all the girls. Every time we'd see each other at audition, she'd introduce me to all the other girls because she had been doing it longer. And she'd be like, this is Karen. Take care of her. This is Karen. Take care of her to everybody. It was so sweet. And all the other actresses were so lovely, really good community of people. And Holly is, you know. I love that story. That is, I mean, she can do, first of all, she befriends everybody. So we love Holly for that reason. Yeah. I love that for you. Okay, good. At least you have someone like that. I'm pretty sure we have our stories, but I love this positive story. Yeah. We take care of you. So you read for who when it's the big, big, big thing? Who's in the room? Are you reading by yourself? What are you doing? 
No, I re- I think they. I think it's always either the casting director or the casting director's assistant that reads that read with me. I didn't. Ha- I don't think I ever had. Like, I didn't have Will in there. I didn't meet Will until I was on the set. Okay. And um, yeah, so I had to do. You know, just had to do these scenes. I remember I went to that last uh, that audition for the network. I was so nervous when I walked in and saw all those people in that room, I freaked out and I, I kind of, and they all laughed because they knew they had all squished into somebody else's, something had happened with where they were supposed to audition and they had to squeeze into somebody's little office. And so they were all laughing because they were on the floor and all sitting all piled on the desk and stuff. And, um, and they were laughing at, at me being nervous a little like, Oh, come on. And you know, the head of the network is there, everybody. And I turned away from them and I saw my reflection in something. Something was on the shelf behind me. I don't know why I always think it's a toaster, but it couldn't have been a toaster in somebody's <laughs> office, but, but it could have been. It's true. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> but I just saw my reflection and I started to kind of print, you know, and ah, fix, fix so my just, hair. Oh, so you just did it just to do it and that's what they wanted. No, I did it because I started to feel Hillary. I started to get into, I just started feeling the character come into me. And as I started playing with my hair and looking at myself and, mm-hmm. and like fixing my, my lipstick and like just doing little adjustments here and there. And they're behind me kind of giggling because they can, they see what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So by the time I turned around, I, she was, she had inhabited me. <laughs> she was there. She showed up. The girl showed up. It was yours to have. <laughs> it was crazy. I was so nervous. I'm not an actress, but I see you doing that, proving your hair and being like, and I'm like, she's ours. This is <laughs> That's yeah. so wonderful. Yeah, what cool. did you make that choice in that moment, even though you were? I don't know. I mean, I knew I had to like find Hillary. I had to get out of that crazy room with all the people all over. Like I couldn't be thinking about that. You know, I just couldn't be thinking about Oh my gosh, there's like, you know, Debbie Allen and a million people and, you know, all these executives and such. And everyone was so friendly, but still, you know. And um, so I turned away. I had to leave them to go to the room I was supposed to be in, which was the, the, the house in Bel Air. And, um, and so then, you know, when I looked at myself and saw, you know, I started doing that, she started to take over. I mean, that was one thing about Hillary was fun. Hillary, Hillary she, she liked to, she liked to, show up and is that character the opposite of who you are (laughs) (laughs) i mean she's very it's very different from me i am not very different opposite maybe very different i was not my thing i'm not that person i don't hope i'm not that i don't mean to be well it doesn't matter i love that person please yeah she's she's great and there's stuff about her that I wish I, there's things about her that I love that I had when I was her as a character, but it's hard for Karen to have. I would say now in life, you probably think, oh, no, that's not me. But the older I get, the more I'm comfortable with being as bougie as possible and unapologetic. So, and I think now revisiting that character, there's nothing wrong with it. It's like, no, what's wrong with that? There's nothing- I, it's true. Revisiting the character I have so much more appreciation for her than I did at the time. That is true. But I never, I don't think I was ever like her in that regard. And the things I really admired about her, though, I really admire, and I look at now and I admire, is her confidence, complete confidence in unapologetic ways. I mean, I just love that 
And that's very much not like me. I'm all, you know, it's like, oh, I'm sorry. Did I, you know, I'm, I'm careful. Don't want to rub anybody the wrong way and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I'm better as I get older about it. But certainly when I was playing Hillary, I think there part of what was so fun about playing her was these were parts of myself that I need, that needed healing and it needed that. And she had those things. So it was so fun to dive in and be just like bold and say, say these things and be this, you know. Can I ask what parts of yourself needed healing? Not healing from like trauma, but I just mean from, I don't mean so much from trauma. Well, probably a little bit of trauma, just but I mean from like, um, to be able to accept myself more and, and be unapologetic. This is me. This is who I am. I don't have to try to make you comfortable. I don't have to try to be the thing you expect me to be. I think I learned those lessons early in life for whatever survival reasons I learned them, you know, and getting around and getting by and being wanting to be loved. You know, some of us have it more than others for different reasons. And I can look and recognize it more now and and see how much I wanted to be approved of and wanted to be loved and wanted the only child, wanted everybody to stay. Don't go, don't go, take this doll. This is you can have it. <laughs> Just stay. You know, what can I do to make you stay? And um, it was great with Hillary as she wasn't trying to be, she was just trying to be Hillary. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. But what you just said is beautiful. I think everyone struggles with in period. I don't care who you are. And that's mm-hmm. why they're so loved. And so there's a cult like following for it is because I'm unapologetically me. And today people fight for that or people even claim that I see it on social media. I'm yes. Unapologetic. You're like, you're not unapologetic, but yeah. <laughs> me. You want to be. People want yeah. to be that character in so many aspects of their life. So then you have this amazing ride with um, a show that it really is Black History as we celebrate Black History Month. Um, and there, there are so many jewels and gems that come from that. Um, that that actual show, the a movie star is born and will, and you have this opportunity. And, and Alfonso Ribeiro is forever, you know, immortalized for his character. And you decide what do you do you decide like I really want to still do acting or I want to also work this other creative part of my brain when the show is over? Well, the show is over. I wasn't it wasn't that I was thinking of not acting at all. I I I was wanting to act. You know, it was really difficult during the time that I was doing the show to like to break into film, which I really wanted to do more film. But you know, we had the we had the um, schedule. Like a kid's, like a, a school schedule, elementary or high school schedule, whatever. It was kind of, you know, we had the summers off. And it was very hard to, to, to fit something else into that three-month period. And there were very few parts, you know. And I always joke that, you know, there were very few parts and they all went to Hallie. <laughs> Hallie was like, mine, 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 mine. Available <laughs> for that, yes. You know, but, the, but seriously, she, you know, she's Hallie. So, but... It was, there was just wasn't a lot of stuff out. So by the time we were at that point, I was still thinking about acting. I was still, I mean, I was still interested in acting, but a friend of mine um, really pushed me to go to a writing class for some reason. I don't know why she did, um, but she was just like, I really want you to go study with this teacher. And I said, okay. And then she just kept bugging me. Are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? And I was like, okay, okay. And so I went not knowing why she was so insistent. She just thought he was so brilliant, but really wanted me to go. 
And I fell in love with it, with writing and with this course and everything that I was getting and the reading we were doing and what I was learning with the writing the exercises and all of it. I fell completely in love with it. And all that time that I had spent on um, doing the show for six years, suddenly I kind of channeled that, that energy all went into writing all day. I'd just be sitting, I spent so much time just writing and, and I loved it and it was great. And um, that's where my energy started to go. But I still didn't tell a lot of people that I, that I was writing or wanted to write. Why? Um, I was afraid I wouldn't be taken seriously. I was afraid that people wouldn't take me seriously. You know, I mean, not only had I, and also it was hard to kind of accept after, since I was so young saying, I'm going to act, I'm an actress, and then having that success and everyone seeing me that way, that was my identity. I was an actor. And that was how I looked to a lot of other people. For me to suddenly, I'm a writer. People, you know, I just felt like people were going to be like, stay in your lane and, you know, no, you're not. And you played Hillary. You can't put two sentences together. <laughs> you know, yeah. I just, I had a hard time. And even with my novel that came out uh, a couple of years ago, I didn't, um, I didn't tell a lot of people and a lot of people didn't know until it came out that I was even, that I was writing it. Cause I just was afraid i think i was really afraid of being dismissed yeah. and that that would hurt and so i didn't um we needed talk about hillary. It. we needed some hillary he did some hillary boldness and just like hey this is what i'm doing yeah yeah I, I felt very vulnerable yeah but that means you were creating something very special and it was so personal and it's hard when you when you're creative to give it to the world because it does make you feel naked yeah I did. I did. I did. We had to pay some bills. You know what to do. You can fast forward. I know these commercials are long. Just be patient. Be with me, people. Be with me. This is a great episode. It's just getting started. Back in a moment. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Connected with. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. 
Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't supposed to be my my dance. (laughs) (laughs) There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at go.tcl.com slash TV. Hey everyone, it's Carrie Champion, and I have actress, writer, creator, artist, if you will, Karen Parsons, here on Naked, giving us a really good look inside of the life of an actress turned writer and what is next for her. Can we talk about Sweet Blackberry? We can. Tell me about, and then we'll get into the novels also, but tell me about the title. Why is it Sweet Blackberry? Sweet Blackberry. <laughs> like it. And I think we're figuring out why. But It's but really cute, but isn't it funny? I don't have a fabulous story. I, what it is, is my daughter, at the time when I was trying to find a name for it, my daughter was a little baby, and I used to call her Lana Berry. We used to call her Lana Berry, Lana Berry, Lana Berry. And so there, there was just like this thing came out of like, affectionate little like blackberry thing oh but then somebody that we were it was myself and two other people pitching names and and um one of one of the ladies said um you can't say blackberry because that's a device and i was like what kind of device (laughs) this gives you an idea when we started naming the organization because i didn't know what a blackberry was yeah you're like what kind of device i can like Uh, yeah, it's like black, a device. What kind of device? And she kept saying, it's like a device. It's like you can't. And then I didn't push it after a while because I thought, well, maybe it's something like sexual or something. <laughs> I don't know what it's doing. I don't know why she isn't telling me what it, kind of device. But she just wasn't able to articulate it because Blackberries were so new. Uh-huh. You know, the, the iPhone hadn't come out yet or was just coming out. And yeah. Blackberries. So she was like trying to explain. I thought she was being mysterious. I left it alone. And I just was like, okay, we don't, we won't, we won't call it. So we won't call it that. We'll call it something else. And so we, but we still like the sound of it. And so Sweet came in there and Sweet Blackberry and it was cute. And there were a couple other names and everybody that we brought it to, everybody responded to Sweet Blackberry. And I'm sure it has something to do with the black of the berry, yeah, the sweeter, the juice. I was going, yeah, of course. I'm yeah. sure it's that kind of, you know, is under oh, it. Great name. That's a great story. <laughs> well. You're like, I don't know what a Blackberry is. I'm just going to leave it alone. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, so then the purpose of Sweet Blackberry, from my understanding, um, 
for the 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 actual series that is created, uh, the, the the children's book. Books, plural, are to identify our unsung heroes in the Black culture. Mm-hmm. Um, apropos, again, for Black History Month, but in general, we're in such a place in this country right now, and I just posted about it. I'm so angry. I'm so angry. Um, that's why you have to log off social media. But I'm yep. angry at the, the attempt to erase our culture and our heritage. Yeah. More importantly, I'm angry um, at the attempt to block those who are trying to recreate a false history that we have been sold as Black people. Right. So you have this book, books, and I feel as if it's timely because our kids are learning so much, so much, um, not history, but their history, fake history, things that don't talk about who we are and our contributions, our many, many, many contributions. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell us all about the books that you have been able to publish these children's books. Well, it started off with films, short animated films. Um, which have been great and now two books, but the films, um, I, you know, had, I was fortunate enough to have Alfred Woodard, Queen Latifah, Chris Rock, Lawrence Fishburne, all narrate these stories about real people in history that we just don't hear about so much. And the whole, the whole way it came about was that my mom was a librarian in all my growing up. But then, um, as an adult, she, when she was still a librarian, she would call me and tell me stories that she came across at the Black Resource Center where she was a librarian. And she came across a story one day about Henry Box Brown, the enslaved man who mailed himself to his freedom in a box from, yeah, he was, um, he went from Virginia to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, this box that he was in, and he was undiscovered. And when they opened it, he had crossed state lines. So when they opened it, he was a free man. And ingenious, risky, <laughs> a little risky. Um, I couldn't believe I had never heard this story before. It was such an amazing story. And I hadn't heard it. None of my friends had heard it. And so that would become the impetus for Sweet Blackberry. I, I was like, I want to, this is such a great story for kids. Um, like a great book. It wasn't as easy to self-publish then. So um, I ended up realizing, oh, I can make a little movie. You know, I I met an animator and talked to her and we started figuring it out. I, you know, talked to illustrators and ended up being able to put this animated film together, reached out to Alfre Woodard because when I was writing it, Alfre kept coming into my head. And so I was like, oh, I got to reach out to Alfre. And she did it. And we made this, this great story. And so that's where it would start. Um, really important to get these, to get these stories out, get them to kids at a young age. I mean, I agree with you. It's so terrifying what's going on. I, you know, when I started the organization, I was very naive about a lot of things. And one of them was, you know, oh, these stories, we have to get these stories to kids. They risk being lost, blah, blah, blah. And of course, after a little bit of time with it, I was like, wait, these are, it's not that they're being lost. They're being buried. (laughs) These stories are quite intentionally being buried. And, um, I also just start, I started recognizing the impact they had on kids. I visit schools and, and I, I share the stories with the kids. And, and you see the incredible impact that this has on kids, seeing themselves, seeing what they're being reminded, what they're capable of, what their neighbors are capable of. Because these are American stories. They're everybody's story. Correct. And it's so important for us to stop separating this way. That it's nice to spotlight. That's important, but we can't separate it. Like, oh, good, now we gave the black people their their history month. 
Now let's move on. You know, and, and we also, we have to all look at it and, and look realistically at our history, at where we are, at the context, make sense of all of it. Um, and, and be truthful. Uh, I love that my son, I remember a few years ago in my son's school, when they were teaching him some history, and they were teaching two different perspectives. I mean, two different stories written from two different perspectives, as opposed to what I grew up with, which is here's the history, accept it. Okay, let's, let's move on. Here's another history story. Let's accept it and let's move on. They were teaching him, you read it, you always consider who wrote it. Always just consider it. And that, to me, that kind of, dare I say, critical thinking was so important to know that my son was being given that, that when he goes into anything he looks at, he thinks. He doesn't just accept everything and just walk with it. And that, don't we want that for our kids? Don't we all want that for our children? Yeah, that's very powerful. Critical thinking is um, is rare. I think we do accept, even as adults, someone tells us something and we still in yes. some ways accept what they say. And you're like, wait, that in fact is not true. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's so important. Thank you for that. That was something I can use. That's really important. It is. I think I agree. I agree. I was so impressed and it really hit me hard. It, it, it made me realize how much I have, uh, how much it made me realize how much I have always just ex- accepted what was brought to me. Is, yeah. Okay. I'll mm-hmm. take that. It, as opposed to, but now though you are up in the world we live in, they do. I am queen of why, how come push back, give me more. Yeah. I just, I don't Good. have, it's, it's an eight. But it also makes you feel as if you're a troublemaker because people feel like, and I just feel like it's good trouble. It's good trouble. It is. But why is it trouble? Why is it trouble? Because you, because it threatens the powers that be. They feel threatened by it. And, and we shouldn't, you know, because I, I mean, if you look at it, you understand it's much easier to, to govern, to have any kind of power over people if they just be quiet and accept what I tell you it's like it's like you're it's like having kids right people are just like just accept what I'm telling you but if if you're being if people question and challenge it's difficult too bad (laughs) where can people watch your are they still on HBO right these short films are they're not on HBO anymore they were on HBO had a life on HBO we had a life on Netflix right now they're available uh, um, easy access for teachers and educators they are on Canopy Canopy yeah, K A N O P Y. They're on Canopy. And they need to look there for us as well. So we can go yeah. and then. Yeah, you can also visit the Sweet Blackberry website, sweetblackberry.org. We have DVDs of the films and we have the books there as well. You can find the books as also, you can find the books which are published by Little Brown. You can find them at, you know, various retailers across the country, including Barnes and Noble and Amazon. I was going to say Amazon, the easy, the mm-hmm. easy where we get our life they're taking over our life too we're gonna have to but you can tell your you can tell your local bookstore hey i'm interested in this and they'll order it for you and they're fast okay. so if you can avoid the amazon machine then you know, obviously <laughs> yeah try. so so t- the books are 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 longer form more informed uh the same as the films they're very much the same as the films there's little adjustments and things that we had to do differently but the the, the films were always picture books come to life you know, they were light animation, beautiful animation with these great narrators. 
and uh, and great music. You don't have that in the books. Uh, really wonderful music, but um, still a lot of this the the style, the the rhyming style, the stories of these people are uh, these really tremendous accomplishments are all there in the books. I am fascinated at the story of what most of America will identify you with as Hillary, but this is the work that you are doing um, is so important, especially now, especially now, but it's so important. Had you, had you ever thought when creating these stories outside of being unsung heroes that there will be a time, if not now, where a teacher is in a classroom and she's ordering these books for her students because they must know. Did you ever think of it that way when you were creating it? When I did it, I was excited. Like I said, I was, it was a different time too. You know, I mean, around the time that the stories were coming out, when I first was starting, it was, you know, around the time that I lost my voice from screaming in the streets because Barack Obama was elected, you know. So it was a different time, you know. Um, and, but I, so I was more going into it, not this kind of, fighting for something that I think where a lot of us are doing now. But I just was like, oh gosh, you know, these, these stories my mom's sharing with me and the ones I'm researching, these are amazing. And when I was in school, I didn't learn these. I learned a handful of stories about black accomplishments. Um, and what did, these are, what did, you what did I learn? Um, sure, we had this, the usual suspects. Who'd you learn? Oh, I learned George Washington Carver, Martin Luther King. I, I don't even know if I learned Frederick Douglass in school, to be honest. You know, I learned, um, you know, Harriet Tubman. Did you, did they portray Malcolm X as a bad guy when you were in school? Oh, yes. He I mean, man. they didn't teach him to us in school. I don't, I think he was off limits in terms of what teachers wanted to teach, but I always got that message very strong um, about the Black Panthers about Malcolm X. I learned all these things that I learned about later in life. I, I, you know, digging into on my own. Um, but yeah, the messages that we got were different. But one other thing that, ha- that happened, I think that was really, I think it's important to look at is when you are taught just a handful of stories like that, not only are you being robbed of the history, not only are this history being lost, quote unquote, but, you know, buried, not all of that, but this, the message that children are receiving, and I mean, not just black and brown kids, I mean, every, all children are receiving is that, you know, every now and then a special black person comes along and does something great. Oh, Barack Obama was a great special black person. Uh And that message is as detrimental as any other. And that, and so we want to correct that too. We want to make sure that, that, that everyone, but especially our children as they come up, understand the truth and that that is not the truth, you know, and that's, and that has a lot to do with, um, the Dolly experiments and why you see, have you ever seen the Dolly experiments where they give the, they give small children a white doll and a black doll, you have a black child, the, the black doll and the white doll. And they ask them, which one is the, is the nice doll? Which one is the pretty doll? And they've been doing this since 19, I think 39. Um, um, the Clarks did it back then, but we're talking about, they do this all the time. I mean, it's been, it's recently they did the study and the same results, little kids immediately, little brown kids immediately point to the brown doll and go, that's the bad doll. That's the ugly doll. And when they ask them why they don't know, they just say, oh, I don't know. It's just bad. Cause you know, I don't know, you know, and they're just, it's come in. They've, they've already soaked this up. 
They're little. You know, it, it's it's insane. And for people to tell us mm. that these things that we're telling them are happening in society are not true is is outrageous. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, bro. <laughs> There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Most TVs are smart nowadays, but with busy home screens and remotes with too many or too few buttons, smart shouldn't mean complicated. That's why Roku TV is the smart TV made easy. The customizable home screen puts your inputs, streaming favorites like iHeart, and free live TV all in one place. From simple settings anyone can understand, automatic updates with the latest features, and much more, Roku TV is more than a smart TV. It's a better TV. Learn more today at Roku.com. Happy streaming. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. That girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Get naked with I asked you um, about what you're doing next, and you told me you have another book coming out. I do. I have a book coming out in July called Clouds Over California. Yeah. Tell me. <laughs> well, uh, my first book, How High the Moon, was took place. Um, it was a historical fiction, and it it took place in the 1940s. How High the Moon took place in the 1940s. It was loosely based on my mom's childhood backdrop in South Carolina, because my mom always talked about what a happy childhood she had, and I just you know just heard that and let that be. Until one day I realized, wait a minute, you grew up in the segregated South 
you got to tell me more about what your childhood was like. You're so happy. What were you? Well, so I, wonderful. Yeah. It, it, it was it really so great. Are you not telling me everything? You know, so I started to kind of dig and ask her more and more questions. And, and, um, and I kind of tried to create a character. I wanted it to be like me slipping into her shoes and walking in, in her shoes as a, a 12 year, 11, 12 year old girl character Ella ended up being very different from both of us really kind of wild girl which was great but um but I got to understand a little bit more about community and family and the power that there is with community um and how you can have and how she did have a really great childhood in spite of a lot of the situations that she was around she also, she did not live that far from, she didn't know this um, as a child, but she didn't live that far from George Stinney Jr., who was someone I learned about while doing my Sweet Blackberry research often. George Stinney Jr. Um, was also in South Carolina and at 14 years old was the youngest person ever executed. He was only 14 years old and he was accused of killing two little white girls uh, a trial which would be retried many years later from a wonderful man who's become my friend named George Frierson. And it would be thrown out as a sham. He realized that the whole thing was a sham. He was coerced into this confession. And this 14-year-old boy who they had to put books underneath him because he was too small to reach the the electrocution thing for his head, um, he, was, he was put to death. And I was able to bring a little bit of George's story into How High the Moon. Um, he's a, a, one of the friends of the, the kids. And so we're able to see, again, the community and how they are affected and learn a little bit more about George because he was never, his story, while I think so important for people to know about, was again, one of these stories in black history that people just didn't know about, but it wasn't that a sweet blackberry inspiring, empowering story. Still, I was able to have the opportunity to bring it into How High the Moon. Um, my new book um, coming out, Clouds Over California, it takes place in the 70s and um, calls on some things from my growing up in Southern California in the 70s when my 15-year-old cousin came and lived with us from back east and kind of turned our house upside down. <laughs> and, um, but it, it also... Um, it also deals a little bit with the Black Panthers, which I, I, you know, like we talked about with Malcolm X as well. I had been kind of fed a whole number about who he was. And I definitely was always, I think the, the Panthers were always vilified, you know, for me. And so this was nice to be able to kind of um, revisit the 70s and my my experience growing up and um, put some of that stuff into context. I love it. So when you say deals with a little bit, can you tell us a little more about what it deals with with the Black Panthers? Well, like I said, I told you I got that 15-year-old cousin who comes to town and kind of turns things. The whole, I mean, what happens in the story is, you know, it's like I said, it's based a lot on some things from my life, including that really with my cousin. But, you know, it was in the 1970s, um, you had the women's liberation movement happening as well. I had a mother who was very kind of, you know, the 
the, the sweet, perfect kind of Donna Reed mom, like, you know, perfect, um, you know, mom, you know, uh, wife doing, serve, doing all of the things you're expected to do at this time. And she grew up with this being her understanding, this was her role and how she was supposed to be is what the world was telling her. But when the li- women's liberation movement came along and when my cousin came along, I think, you know, she started to see a little bit more of who she could be, who she wanted to be, who, what she was longing for and it, and seeing the women around her, seeing the world change. And meeting that, starting to meet that change. However, her husband was like not not stepping up to that change. You know, and and at the same time, there was also, um, like I said, there was also a lot of um, at the heels of the civil rights movement. There was the Panthers and things that and and people that were kind of stuck in their ideas, their safe ideas of who the Panthers were, and and comfortable with thinking that they were baddies. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't. You know what? Every time I see in this, so that's why I get mad. I'm tired of slave movies. I'm tired of films that tell you that, you know, the Black Panthers were bad and how they had to struggle to get there. I get it. I get it. We need that. But I do get I, I want a new storyline. And I yeah. want the, and I want it in a way in which we are righteous warriors, a la the woman. king. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Like, um, I, I appreciate what you're doing. I didn't know when I and I and I and I fear there are others like me who didn't know. And I just want to, just for context, let you know that I feel like it's so wonderful and timely that I had an opportunity to interview you. Thank you. While while there are so many of us on the front lines fighting for for Florida and fighting for our voices to be heard, the 16th yeah. project. I mean, when I think mm-hmm. of the books that have been banned in this world, in this world, when you think of Beloved, which was banned by the great Toni Morrison, um, you know, 1619 project, the attempt to ban that, um, mm-hmm. hooks. Like all of these, Zora Neale Hurston, all these amazing people who told our stories in such eloquent form and fashion were considered or are now considered in Florida to be wrong or things we shouldn't learn. And and yet and still, there is a way in which we can teach our children. Everything doesn't have to be on the front lines with our fists up in the air. There's a way in which we can teach our children where they understand and it's palpable for others. And I think a lot of what you are giving us is that. Yeah. We can fight this fight. Any kind of way, whether that was your intention or not, mm-hmm. and fight this fight any kind of way. Yeah, it 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 wasn't my intention, and I've been I've gone and made appearances, and people say activist Karen Parsons. And I'm like, whoa, wait, you know, wait, what? When did I become that? You, <laughs> a re- there's such a thing as a reluctant activist. <laughs> I covered sports for, and still do. That's my you know where I made my use my platform. But Colin Kaepernick was a reluctant activist. I, I can you know minding his business. Yeah, just doing what he felt was the right thing, right? Self for, for himself. That's it. it yeah. You writing these books, doing what you wanted to do for yourself, which yeah. these unsung heroes. And yeah. then he looks up, and now all of a sudden he's got a whole army. He's like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Wait a second. That wasn't what I was trying to do, <laughs> but I did it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. for better or for worse, I won't call you an activist, but I do appreciate what you do. Thank you. I appreciate you. It was so nice talking to you. You too. Thank you so much. Akira Parsons on Naked, y'all. So you guys have to forgive me because I noticed that, you know, during the podcast, Karen was like, okay, well, 
I'm not as activated as you are. I'm not as unapologetic as you are. And I understand people have different sensibilities. I am 100% activated. I am 100% angry. And I am also 100% dedicated to the cause of making sure that our stories are told. As a storyteller, I take this personal. I try to represent us in so many ways, but from our perspectives um, and day in and day out, when I am given a choice, I usually nine times out of 10, 10 times out of 10, want to make sure I'm telling it in a way that reflects the culture and our experiences. I never try to tell a story that is not truth. Um, and so I find myself extremely angry that we are living in a time in which we are actively being erased. And the other part that makes me angry is that a lot of us in the culture are so busy trying to survive that we can't focus um, on the fight, the real fight. Um, and that is the way it was meant to be. Pay your bills, go to work, come home, take care of your kids if you have them, get up and do it the, ne the same day. Be so exhausted with the day in and day out movement of life that you can't stop and fight for the cause in whatever way that would look like for you. And so that is why I get so furious with the world we live in today. And today is just one of those days. I'm frustrated as hell. But it is important that we pay attention. Do not get distracted. Do not take your eyes off the prize. That is what is what they want. That's what they want. That's what they want. Do not get distracted. Do not take your eyes off the prize. I know Barack ain't in office, so you ain't focused no more. But it is important. It is imperative. It is the life and the legacy that you will leave for your children and your children's children. We cannot let them erase our contributions to the society because therefore it makes you feel like you're not entitled. It makes it, it makes you feel like our culture is the least entitled. We're like, you know, I'm black. I can't work for it. We can't look. We have worked for it and we do deserve it. We contributed just like everyone else did, if not more. We deserve it and we are entitled. Do not let them make you think you did not build this country, that you did not participate in this country's history and that you are not worthy. That's the message that they're trying to send by erasing black history. That's the message. They want us to take this little funky month in February and leave it as is. That's the message. I told you I was mad. I'll talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening to Naked. Got my Prevna 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk, get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.